Hey everybody, welcome back to Endure, the Athlete Story. On today's show we have Mark Buckingham. Mark was a professional ITU triathlete and has now moved into a coaching role with British Triathlon. Mark is a long-time training partner and friend of Alistair and Jonathan Brownlee and has been part of the success in Leeds Triathlon over the last decade. In this episode, Mark tells us about his journey in sport and how he started as a runner Um had a scholarship in the US for running and then as he moved back home got into the elite triathlon program at the time that was bringing runners and the triathlon and he tells his journey about learning the trade of triathlon and the swimming and biking and putting it all together um, from someone who came in, the, in uh, later years so really interesting chat with Mark great guy and gives us his honest opinion and some great advice and coaching and training in there and some insight and the him and the Brownlees training training regime and what works for them and the simplicity but effectiveness of a good consistent training program so I think everyone will learn a lot from listening to this and it'll get you inspired and motivated for your own training um so I hope you enjoy it and please leave a review Leave us feedback on what you think of the show, what guests you enjoy, what guests you would like to hear on the show. And if you have any contact with them guests, um, put us in touch. We'd love to chat to them. Um, This show is brought to you by EGX2 Coaching. I'm a triathlon coach with a background in sports science and provide triathlon coaching and lactate testing for anyone based in the northwest of Ireland. Um, if it's something you'd be interested in getting a chat about your training maybe you have an event or a race coming up I'd love to get a chat to you and help you out so you can email me at ejx2coaching at hotmail.com or you can drop us a message on Facebook or Instagram at ejx2coaching so without further ado let's get into the chat with Mark Buckingham cheers, enjoy so Mark Buckingham welcome to Endure the Athlete Story Thanks for coming on. How's things? Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, things are um, are good. They're, um, they're, it's been a bit hectic uh, with my role with British Triathlon in the run-up to um, Olympic selections and stuff and getting Leeds World Series out of the way and, and whatnot, the machine that that is. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm currently at home in Leeds and uh, everything's good. The sun's shining. Good stuff, good stuff. Better than we have here in Ireland. It's kind of, it's not raining, so that's a bonus, but it's cloudy. We had some good where, weather. Where recently. in Ireland are you? I'm in Muff, Donegal, so okay, um, just near Derry. Have you heard yeah. of Derry? So yeah. the nor- northwest of Ireland, nice, nice, nice yeah. training, right on the border. So good, best of both worlds of good training in Donegal, good roads, good... Uh, Good open water swimming in the sea and stuff so it's a good place yeah so I've, I've been a few times i've raced a few times and um i went and uh supported uh my missus lucy and alistair at dunleary oh um, very good yeah yeah and actually I, I met lucy in um limerick all right very 
good. So, uh, yeah, that's where that's where it started uh, over a decade ago. So, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, just at a race because they done a did they have like a duathlon in Limerick? A, a that's European, it. Yeah, yeah, it was a European duathlons. Yeah. Oh, very good. Um, yeah, we were kind of like, oh, we were both training in Loughborough, but on different squads, didn't really know each other, and um, yeah, um, kind of met there, and the rest is history, as they say. Cool. And so, uh, yeah, I think she was like, I. I was I was in good nicking at that champs, but in my classic duathlon fashion, something went wrong, and I got I think I got a puncher. I went over the um, the blue carpet, and one of the the tacks that they put the uh, attached the mat down to the road, oh. like went straight through my tire with a lap to go. I was like ah, oh. and so like there was her and Gordon Benson pretty much near the wheel station watching my my race go to um to shit as i would say (laughs) and just for anyone listening that probably isn't aware uh lucy's your girlfriend she's a professional triathlete also yeah um quite successful done quite well she had a race recently second was it and yeah uh, yeah she she raced at the weekend in uh in poland uh was second there and the week before in eton dorney good stuff yeah, so, so she's 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 going all right. Yeah, moved the more longer distance. Is she away from the ITU scene? Yeah, yeah. Um, she took that decision what uh, about two years ago to step away from the short stuff. Um, yeah, she just thought it was you know the right time in her career to go long, as mm-hmm. I say. Um, she's got quite good like um obviously she's known for a swim but a bike's pretty solid as well yeah and so that that helps in the long distance stuff so um yeah she um she did uh, a year with uh, mark pierce um coaching her um learned lots from mark who who actually originally coached her to the olympic games uh, in 2012 and then um and and then yeah we kind of decided that i would um kind of take the reins um this season cool um, How, how's so, that going yeah it's, it's, i mean it's going all right it was always something that we said like it's an absolute no-no like yeah. um yeah because she can't escape it but i think she kind of got to the or we both got to the point where 90 percent of the training she does she kind of knows what she needs to do mm-hmm. so it's only really getting a bit of the periodization maybe planning specific races and then a few key sessions that's you know worth considering and we've got a real good um team around us in Leeds as well that kind of tap into that from like the swimming stuff and other training partners so um yeah it was it was uh it was hard because we know so many people that do it like Mm -hmm. yeah um you know and that athlete coach thing when you sort of partners that the same time it's um obviously it throws up like a fair few things but she's fairly chilled so it's yeah. um That's good. yeah so far it's so good yeah i think um it can be sometimes like in that situation maybe too close to home and it just when are you coaching when are you just there for support emotionally or whatever so but i think if you get it right like you said there and you have a good relationship then it's it actually is better because you can understand her more than a coach online or someone just send sessions so you can and you can see daily the mood the the fatigue levels and adjust and that so there's that constant constant like feedback do you use a coach yeah. and then you back to her as the athlete so 
hopefully it goes well for you. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, yeah, like yeah, so far so good. So we'll just keep keep plugging away. Good stuff. So, Mark, if you just go back and tell us, like, how you got in the sport in general as a kid growing up, was it something you always played and enjoyed? Yeah, um, the I, I grew up in Huddersfield, which is maybe like uh, 30, 40 minutes from Leeds. And mm-hmm. um, I was lucky enough to the street we lived on was like 800 meters away from uh, my running club, Home for Harriers. So, like, you couldn't pass the street without, you know, missing the, the running yeah. club. So, from like, I think I joined at the age of six and, um, and started track and field career and then yeah did felon mountain running was kind of like my first uh passion and that's where eventually i yeah i, I met john and al brownley for the first time sort of doing doing yeah. felon mountain running it's not a similar similar races um and so yeah i did that until i was maybe like 14 or 15 and then started track running but the club that i was at didn't have a track um, just had a sort of 300 meter grass track, but, um, I'm pretty old school and I love training on stuff like that. I love like just the, uh, generic sports fields doing mm. laps of those. Like it's absolutely fine for me. I don't need like a measured perfect loop. Um, and, and so I did uh, track, did the steeplechase, um, won a couple of national titles for that and, uh, made the world-class program in running. And then I think at that time, as I got into programs, maybe like 17, 18, they built the EIS in Sheffield, big mm-hmm. institute of sport. And that was right at the time that I was trying to decide which university to go to. And I was like, shall I go to Loughborough? Shall I go to Sheffield? And just built this mega place. And I was like, yeah, I'll go to Sheffield. It's a bit closer to home. And um, so I did three years at university in Sheffield, um, plugged away at the steeplechase. Um, and at the end of that, got a scholarship to America to Florida State University. So, yeah, um, yeah everyone, I've always got an FSU t-shirt on. Like, it just, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went I went to Florida for three years. Amazing time. Didn't progress massively. I think, like, maybe over, like, the 10K distance, that got better. Like, there's a big cross-country program there as well. Yeah. Um, but learned so much and part of a national winning team. So, like, the experiences there were you know, unreal. We got to go to the White House, meet George Bush and, you know, like, yeah, all the frills and mm. got, I, I got another degree out of it. Um, you know, you normally go and do your master's, but I wanted three years out there. So yeah. in the end, I did a applied economics um, degree and yeah, just the, the whole experience was just brilliant. But then I came, sort of culminated with me having a navicular stress fracture um so like yeah just small bone in your foot and kind of broke it and uh probably a bit too skinny um doing loads of run miles like 100 mile weeks um lots of hurdle sessions nutrition probably wasn't on point because I was looking after myself and uh yeah and that was kind of yeah that finished me out in the states and um I'd actually um looked at working out there um i was thought yeah maybe done with sport i'll go and use this economics degree um but then the financial crisis happened uh all the banks went on hiring freeze and i went from thinking i got a job in florida 
to you've got 60 days to leave the country. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was like, right, great. Um, but, yeah, hopefully I'm not making this too long. Um, no, no, it's good. But, yeah, good. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I came back to the UK and um, uh, went and worked at a running shop, what typical runners do, uh, went and worked for my best mate, who was the manager at the time. And um, I did that, then got a job for Timex, so selling watches, uh, big jacket full of watches, you know how it is. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, did that for a couple of years. And then I I, I got um, a real good physio, Alison Rose, who's actually um, a lot of the athletes in Leeds use as their, you know, physio. She was like Jess Ennis's physio, Kelly Holmes's physio. So mm. she's a big name. And I, I got my navicular stress fracture on the, the same foot on the same weekend that Jess Ennis did in the run up to um, Beijing Olympics. Yeah. So at the time, um, she was like, right, I can see you hate aqua jogging, Bucko. Go get yourself a bike. Um, so I went and bought a road bike and just kind of went, 20 miles in one direction, turned around 20 miles back. I kind of did that every day, just trying to beat yesterday's time. Mm -hmm. And um, and I was like, oh, I quite enjoy this. And so looked up, oh, there's a, you know, prestigious um, cycling club in Huddersfield, Huddersfield Star Wheelers. Um, I'll go and see if I can go for a ride with them. Within 10 days, they were making me do a chain gang. Uh, within 30 days, they were renting me into races. Um, they were just like brilliant, like yeah. couldn't have been any more like helpful and, you know, came at the right time. And so I, I did like uh, basically 18 months of um, pretty full on bike racing, went from um, fourth cat to first cat and uh, just loved the whole experience. And so at the end of that, and I was still working for Timex at the time, I kind of put the two together and did a duathlon. Um, and I was down at a at press while doing the British champs. So I asked my, I asked my boss, um, cause I was working at the NEC that day in Birmingham for Timex, can I, can I leave this afternoon? There's a duathlon that I want to do. And, uh, so the, the boss gave me the time off work, went and did it, came third behind Tim Don and Will Clark. Um, there was a coach at the side of the, of the circuit called Rick Vellati. And he came up to me and he was like, um, Good, you know, good race. Um, we're starting this thing called, or we've started this thing called Tri Gold, trying to bring runners into the sport. Mm -hmm. What's she swimming like? And I was like, terrible. Um, and he's like, well, we, we want to try and give you a, 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 a shot. So um, I had to go and uh, kind of learn how to swim. I think I maybe had like three months for the uh, before the trial or two months or something like that could, could you swim at all or i could yeah i could stay afloat like i did my badges like as a kid and uh yeah so i don't even know what they go up to mate is it maybe 800 meters i don't know uh, uh, sure i could stay afloat but other yeah. than that i just you know typical just swam on holidays when i was yeah. in the water and yeah i was i was all right but yeah i was way behind what i needed to be and i was so i went to um i went to a gym and uh, did like three swims a week um, for 30 minutes. And I thought that was like a long time. I was like, mm -hmm. and, I, and, and all I did was try and go, right, this is what I do as a runner on the track. So I'll just do that in the pool. Yeah. So I was having like minute, 90 seconds recovery, like thinking that's a thing. And, you know, fast forward to now, I get barely 10 seconds, anything yeah. to do. Um, and, and so I did that, but I, I basically just jumped in, 
like cold start, would do 400 as quick as I could because Rick said that I, that's the time trial distance. And, you know, I maybe started at 6.30 and he said that I need to get to 5.30 for 400 to get accepted onto the programme. And, and the trial came round and I swam exactly 5.30. Very so, good. Um, so you made yeah, the... it, yeah, mate, I made the cut and it wasn't pretty. I just threw my arms over fast. Like I did half decent engine and yeah. yeah, just zero technique. And so that took you up the getting accepted on the like British triathlon yeah, pathway yeah, and... onto the tri goal scheme. Yeah. yeah. And from so there, the guy... they just pushed you in the racing and training more. And was that, turn... yeah. did you go full time then? Um, yeah, so the the program was supported by um, like a philanthropist um, Barry Wells, who I'm still good friends with now. He's a big Liverpool um, FC fan as well, so that helps. And um, he so he pretty much funded the whole program, and so he paid for like our accommodation in Loughborough, and then to get to those first season of races. So Adam Bowden and Katie Hewison had already been through the program like the year before and Bowd had done like really well. Mm-hmm. Um, however, their swim background was a lot better than mine. So yeah. I got to my first race. I think it was in, um, in Antalya in Turkey. And yeah, I was just so far behind in the swim. And I was like, I thought I'd improved, but I still had a lot to do. But um, yeah, for that first, first year, it was all about getting points and they were just super, focused on fast tracking me so that I could go from continental cup racing to world series racing to try and get in, you know, Mm. the big races as soon as I could. And so I think within, um, within 18 months, I did it. I was able to do my first world series. Um, How did that feel when you finally got to that first, like the highest level in triathlon? Yeah, it was good. I mean, I hadn't, I, I knew I knew John and Al really well, but in terms of the triathlon world, it was all new to me. I didn't really know what it, it mm-hmm. took to be, and I, I didn't know what the levels were like. You know, in steeplechase, it was like, yeah, I was I was pretty good domestically, and then you go to European races, and it's like, oh, yeah, there's a level there, and then you go to a world's race, and it's like, oh, there's all the Africans. Like, there was, you know, three, three tiers above me. Yeah. And then triathlon was like, almost a carbon copy um but you know you're bringing the brownies in to replace the kenyans mm-hmm. and it's like oh wow that really is a level and you know in that first race at kitzbühel in the world series alistair nearly lapped me like and i was like pretty tired after this i, I gave i gave that everything yeah. um but it was the um the i can i probably came in spot at the worst time for someone who was a weak swimmer because uh, you had you know, the brothers plus Gomez and then Vargas mega swim. Yeah. And every race just, there was a breakaway mm-hmm. for like that first four or five years, every world series race I went to, um, breakaway. Yeah. And so on reflection, I'd have been much better just hitting world cups. Yeah. But we all want to be on the big stage. So yeah. 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 And just a few interesting points in what you were saying there. Mark, if I take go way back to when you were saying about you started off and like fell running, and that's yeah. kind of interesting, like because that wouldn't be necessarily like associated with like speed in the track and stuff. It was it's more strength, endurance, and a ticket. Yeah. they're like longer races than um some of the track races. So did you get that like big endurance base from that 
before you moved into like steeplechase and shorter track stuff? Yeah, I reckon so. I think the fell running helped me a lot. I just, and where I lived in, in home Firth, it was like really hilly. Mm-hmm. So every easy run you went up, you still had to like get your ass up a hill. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't always, you know, super easy and it, and it requires a lot of strength and good posture and stuff. But then the mix of the track work and the leg speed, I think it was like a really good mix. Yeah. Um, and and I've always done like cross country racing as well. I'm a big believer in those, in, especially in the winter, in the winter months. Like um, I think the fantastic ways to build strength. Mm-hmm. and yeah i'd come back from so many injuries and just went and did like a a lower league cross country race just to build that up slowly again i mm-hmm. think they're real good training tools good stuff and a, another interesting point that you made was and it was similar to tommy zafiris who we had on last week um like you went through that success and running you got a scholarship to the us which is obviously would have been exciting you're competing at big levels and then, as you said, afterwards, it was kind of, what did you do? Did you get a job? What did you finish running? And same with Tommy. He went to the Olympic trials for swimming, and then it didn't work out, and he was back working in a local supermarket. And like you said, you went to run, work in a running shop and selling mm. the watches. Like that adversity and that, like, oh, maybe this athletic career is over, but then they keep going and, like, maybe the enjoyment took you through or to that next stage of then you, you were suddenly a professional triathlete and a long one, the way of saying this, I think nowadays, maybe it's probably like encouragement for young athletes, I think, because it's not mm. like instant. There is the cases of Alex Yee, Blumenfeld, Gustav Eden, very young, successful, but it's still possible to be like fairly good. And you might have to have a part-time job or do something at the same time. And then you're still going to, able to get good if you just stick at it what's your thoughts yeah. on that yeah definitely i think um i think sometimes taking a step away from the sport's not always a bad thing as well because i kind of saw like the other side and i was mm. i was a bit like oh yeah i had it pretty good as a as a full-time athlete for sure yeah but also like that day-to-day drive when that's taken away and you don't have a goal mm-hmm. you know and work is just your life um i think that that becomes quite hard but yeah for me yeah i you know i worked for two and a half years or whatever outside of sport and it it probably didn't fulfill me um half as much as sport did and Mm -hmm. and i think it was just the one that i knew my i had it in my body still so i was actually still capable of you know give me six weeks and I can get in real good shape. My body will let me, mm-hmm. but also like, I just, I just wanted to win stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that was like a big thing for me. And even, it, you know, when I was cycling and I was getting in those early races and it was like a regional a race or something again, like there's three or four levels above me in cycling to get to the tour de France. But I still, that race was, it was all about the win and it was, mm-hmm. you know, really uh, motivating and got me out of bed um you know my my routine to uh ride to the bike shop or i could drive to the bike shop if i wanted but i i chose to ride there if i if i went to the bottom of the road and turned right i'd be at the bike shop in 10 minutes if i turned left i'd be there an hour and 10 minutes and so that drive and wanting to do better i always turned left every morning just mm-hmm. to go do that training and just felt so good for it yeah um so it was uh yeah i think it, it's important to have that that you yeah you 
I think while you're young as well, like you can um, you can definitely do anything. But you know, as you get older as well, I think you can do um, as much. Um, you know, giving yourself the drive yeah. each day, that goal. Good stuff. So it's just that, like, a, it was the enjoyment and the drive to one and continue to be in sport rather than just hang it up and say, like, you're in oh. you're in the real world now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, so then you're getting to these higher level races, as you mentioned, a few tiers above you when you're doing European Cups and World Cups, but you you made it to that top level, WTS racing. And at what stage then did you, were you already, as soon as you got on that program, were you training in Leeds with Johnny and Alistair? And what year was that where, like, because I know now Leeds is like massive hype around triathlon, the new center yeah. and that sort of thing what was it like then or when you started tying on with Johnny and Alistair? Yeah, well, I kind of, I started at Loughborough. I was at Loughborough for three years. And at the time, Loughborough was like a development center. So mm -hmm. yeah, get you to kind of World Series level. But there probably wasn't like the expertise of the coaches there to, you know, put you on the, the top spot once you got there. Mm -hmm. um, Leeds was where it was happening in terms of it had all the best athletes on program there pretty much. And um, they were all like performing on a, on a world stage, almost on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. So I think um, like Loughborough was great for me at the start and it was definitely the best place for me to go um, because I needed to learn the craft and learn the sport. But I am um, in 2011, I went to an altitude camp, Rick, at the t who was my coach at the time. He said, um, yeah, take every opportunity to learn because you need to learn quick bucko. You know, I came into sport when I was 25, so mm -hmm. the clock was kind of ticking. And um, and so I went away with with the lads to St. Moritz and um, spent, yeah, three or four weeks there training with them and just did everything they did. And I was like, wow, like this system like really works. It makes sense. It's pretty simple, but it's really effective. And everyone who seems to tap into it seems to thrive. So, uh, you know, after three years in Loughborough, me and Luce decided, yeah, we needed to, you know, uh, that next, to go to that next level. So it was actually between um, coming to Leeds and Joel Filial's group. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And I think at the time we, it, Joel was maybe a bit too expensive for us. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. And, and, and uh, we, but also we just thought, yeah, Leeds sounds like, yeah. I, I'd kind of seen it from the camp and knowing yeah. the lads quite well. And I was like, yeah, let, it would be stupid not to go and, you know, see someone on our doorstep, as it were. Yeah. So, and um, yeah. When you when you went to that camp in Sam Ritz and you said you seen how the lads worked and, like, I'm sure you can say, there, there was there a secret that you found out or was it, what what was it for you that just, like, that just made yeah. sense? There's, yeah, there was no real secret because people ask me, you know, athletes that I coach now, age group or pros, you know, it's um, routine and getting and consistency. Like the routine, uh, what I've seen John and Al do for the last decade, uh, week to week, doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Like in season, off season, it's like, it's pretty much carbon copy of each other. And then they get really good at that in that routine. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I start with most, um, age group athletes that I coach, I'll say, right, let's create that weekly routine. And 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 some people it's really difficult because if they're working shifts and things like that, yeah. you've got to 
But if you can, you know, for a lot of guys that I do coach can get into that Monday to Sunday, they can have the same rest day, they can do the gym on certain days each week, hard session that day, that's always an easy day, long run on a Sunday. Like it's, and, and, and then let's refine that. Let's mm. get all that, then that little bit better. Let's not try and add to that. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and really that's, that's, I, I say all the lads do, obviously they, there's a lot of effort goes into that, mm-hmm. but, um, there, uh, each week, um, is fairly similar and it's just hitting it every week, like not missing sessions, respecting those recovery days, um, you know, and easy is easy, hard is hard. Yeah, just and that you know. just provides consistency week in, week out. And I think long term, that's really what it is a long term, a long term game, like a long term development. Even Steve True was on the show, and you're yeah. saying, like, especially for someone coming new to the sport, you're saying, like, age group athletes, anyone that might be listening, and it's not a six week get fit program, it's like a two to three year development before you're building that engine and being fit to race a full season and start to see start to see some improvements yeah yeah there's um and i and i think the big thing with the program is that uh yeah so many people i'd seen over the years try it and just flourish from it um and i think it's just how it's the week is set out so that you go yeah chain gang on a thursday night because you've got leeds chain gang and uh you know go hit that hard but then friday you need you know you need a decent recovery day mm-hmm. um but recovery still you know a swim and maybe a gym and a jog for some people but it's not intense um and there's not loads of volume in the day yeah. and then you get ready for your saturday morning run session so yeah you've got a really res- in for me like the most important day is the friday mm-hmm. like don't go for a four hour hike and you know go partying all night like because either side of that day you you know absolutely thrash yourself mm-hmm. um and yeah and and i think that's that's you know whether you're a pro or you're an age group athlete i think that that fits most people as well yeah um so that you can you know set yourself up for the following day as as well as you can yeah and it's um it's not always about the uh the, the training session is it um it's not even about the training week it's about that the block yeah yeah you know, what did that four weeks look like yeah and um, when you were in that like in the thick of a training with johnny allister and whoever else that might have been in that group are you doing like are you all doing the same thing or were you doing like I need to do more of this or I need this doesn't suit me so I do less of that did you tailor it in any way to yourself or was it majority just the same yeah it was it was really similar um it was more how it looks for me within that session so uh we did like a typical threshold swim session on a Thursday then I'd try and get closer to them on times because they're not going full whack. Mm-hmm. They're going threshold. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'd like, Oh, I can actually get a bit close to them. Only like four seconds per hundred behind them. And I was like, well, you dumbass, you're not swimming threshold. That's why. Yeah. Like, and it, and it, you know, it was, it was little things like that that take so long to, 
understand to learn but then also to implement because you mm -hmm. always just get caught on wanting to race you know mm -hmm. it's that typical lad mentality of just you know you just want yeah. to be the fastest there and don't want to get dropped um so there's yeah there was little things like that a bit of the volume i had to cut down i can't i couldn't run as far as they do um the biking takes a lot more out of me i don't you know i had that 18 months of cycling but before that i'd barely ever ridden a bike before mm -hmm. and so they can do a four-hour ride and actually i'm looking at my watch going yeah i could do we're getting off this thing after about three hours mm -hmm. um but you know my role with british triathlon kind of came from i was an athlete on the world class program and then i gradually became a training partner for john and al Mm -hmm. And then I've kind of just been anything to support them and the program. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, at some point it was about me and I could tailor everything to then, yeah, just get your head kicked in and keep them happy. Yeah. And just <laughs> so, so then you were just supporting them and being a training partner that they could run with or ride with or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked quite well because from the, from the riding and the running point of view, I could, I could push you know push them they were still you know way better than me but i could yeah. still take reps on the track and you know do 10, 10 minutes on the front on the canal on a run session or you know pull a turn on a chain gang and do the whole weekly uh ride ride mileage so it fit quite well yeah. like in the pool you don't really need someone to pull you around and help mm -hmm. you out it occasionally helps if someone can lead the lane but you know they had you know other great training partners like richard varga who was in leeds for a while and yeah. aaron royal and yeah and then each other um so they yeah they've always been able to um have a real good support from from the group yeah um which is definitely a, a big part of leeds as well mm -hmm. like yeah just the strength in numbers there's definitely a lot in that yeah because i see now like i actually uh I want to refrain from using the word love, but I loved in Leeds for four weeks. Maybe I went to university there. And oh, really? It, uh, it didn't work out. I just I went straight out of school. I suppose everyone goes straight out of school, but I just yeah. didn't, didn't start off. Just started to decide to come home after a few weeks and um, worked out. And then I went back here and done university at home. And then eventually went back to England for a year to finish. But I was in Leeds at the start and I was kind of, I had just started triathlon at the time, so I was like excited, oh, and I went really? and I done the trials and stuff. But it was, I wasn't very good. But what year? What year did you come to Leeds? Um, twenty thirteen would have been September twenty thirteen. Okay, uh, yeah, my but... we yeah we kind of came to check it out in like October that year, mm. and so, then committed to it in the January. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think Jack Maitland was like the coach in the the I was at Leeds. I can't, was it, what's it called now, Leeds Beckett or Leeds? Leeds Beckett now. Uh, so it was, it was Leeds Met. I guess you can't need it back then, but yeah. yeah. It was Leeds Met or something, I think. Oh, Leeds there. Met and then, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was the coach up there and we'd done the trials and stuff, but um, it was just exciting. Like, and then it, since then, I have a cousin that's went there and she done triathlon and a few of the Irish guys, James Walton and Darren Dummer over there. And you see what like they were doing. And it's just growing and growing. And then that Brownlee Center, and it's just got massive now that it's just like a hot spot for triathlon. And have you noticed that loving through that over the years? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, well, obviously, the, the successes of John and Al in 2012 helped it 
massively and put mm-hmm. triathlon kind of on the map and Leeds on the map. And um, but the I, th- I think you touched on yeah the universities they that's helped a lot as well. Um, and that's what I'm sort of realizing with a lot of students that um, you know let's say you're a 16, 17 year old and you're not massive um, on the academic front. There's still op- like options for you in Leeds. Um, mm. It's not just one university. I think there's like three universities here with Trinity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's loads of op- options academically that then you can still be a part of one of the best triathlon centres here. Yeah. And I don't think it would be the same if it, there was just like Leeds Uni here, let's say, with yeah. um, you know demanding straight A's or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it'd, be, it'd be quite hard. We'd miss quite a few athletes from that. Because the um, I did quite a lot of research on this that um, I, I've always kind of said if I have my time again I won't go to university I go do an apprenticeship because I don't agree with spending would, that kind I of would money as well yeah <laughs> I, and, I have a and, f- yeah few younger well, cousins that um, have decided to like do apprenticeship rather than university and then they're like making <laughs> they have a job <laughs> and making loads of money and you're like paying off student loans. Yeah five six years yeah, well, so. i know it's but it's hard one it's, it's it's hard for me to kind of uh encourage athletes to do that as well coming to leeds because we've got such a good partnership with the universities mm-hmm. you know as as do loughborough so last thing they want is loads of people doing apprenticeships yeah um but i think there is a way to kind of do one as part of your university as well and it, um it works out that the, you know you get paid to go and work mm-hmm. um and, the, and the, the the tuition's a lot lower but um, anyway, I think I think that has got a lot to do with Leeds. That, that yeah, it can it can either get a straight A student or one who just wants to do kind of a, like an entry level course. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that person could be you know the next Olympic champion. Yeah. And so that 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 help opens a lot of doors. And I think it, yeah, that's why Leeds is so good. But it's also like the ter- uh, the terrain and like the culture within the city and the, the triathlon that. I think help it as well. Like um, my biking really needed to improve um, at that point in sort of 2013, 2014. And I came here and like, there was a proper cycling culture. Like you'd go out on chain gang and there'd be 70 guys there or or girls, um, Mm -hmm. you know, waiting to do the chain gang. And then on a weekend, like the back road to the Dales is just like heaving full of Mm -hmm. cyclists. And you're like, ah, it's a, it's a lot easier to go and ride four hours, yeah. you know, amazing cast ops and stuff like that. Whereas I think like at the the time in Loughborough, I think I'd, I'd done maybe like, I was there for years. I maybe done single figures of cast ops. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I know some people that like doing cast ops and yeah, thought plow on through, but it's, uh, you know, our routines ride for two and a half hours, go and have a calf stop for 20 or 30 minutes and then, you know, make it up to four hours. And I had a really struggle to do that in Loughborough, just like four hours yeah. straight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, I think the, the culture of the cycling like helped a lot as well. Yeah, I think I think that helps a lot with what you were saying earlier of keeping that just consistency of training, high volume where it's not like sometimes you see like, people on social media and stuff and it's kind of like when everything's done like turbos and the numbers it's more the iron man people isn't it that kind of like everything's like on turbo on numbers and it's like refreshing yeah. just to go out and have three or four hour ride and stop for a coffee and 
it's just in hills and cycle past the beach or whatever to me that's more enjoyable and easier way to put on fours and you can still get a yeah. good benefit from it rather than like everything being numbers and on the yeah, for sure. stuff like that so yeah well that kind of taught me as well like um Loughborough at the time was quite science-based mm-hmm. and everything you were doing I was riding power meters and GPS watches and then I came to Leeds and the guys that I was around had nothing mm-hmm. um you know whether it were like a 60 minute run or 70 like yeah it, it didn't matter like it's, it's zone two it's easy it's aerobic mm-hmm. like um and I think that yeah but it kind of I, I still won't say that um, that model fits for everyone because some people really do like the numbers that, yeah. you know, you go back to what gets you out of bed, like, and what motivates you. Some people like that, like, mm. and you've got, and that, I think that's what um, age group coaching over the years has taught me that there's, you know, that there's probably an equal share of people out there who want to see that power number and mm. want to see like, you know, go on Strava after a, a ride. And just because I'm not into that doesn't mean that, you know others aren't i'm just it's it's only when it becomes a stress that i think you've got yeah. to acknowledge it and, yeah. and 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 talk about it you know athlete to coach you know like you know why are you looking at your watch every 30 seconds on an easy run yeah like that's not good yeah. like Definitely. it just can't be it can't be a positive thing i that. think as you say it's whatever like you prefer and as was i saying there i enjoy just going out and riding for a few hours and having a bit of fun but then i also like I don't have a sports science degree and enjoy science and enjoy listening to scientists and like what the Norwegians do with lactate and I do some lactate tests and I enjoy all that. But as you oh, say, wow. cool. on an easy ride or an easy run, I'm just I'm not looking. I like recording it because I like to just look after and say that I ran yeah so many miles or whatever. But it's fine that balance and I think like for me, I'm not. I'm just naturally the way i am i'm not overly obsessed with the numbers but i enjoy seeing the numbers and I enjoy doing it right if it as a numbers type session like trying to hit a pace in the pool or trying to hit a pace in the run i do enjoy like seeing the numbers but i'm not like a slave to the numbers as well I, i'd say i'm like 80 percent like going off feel and rp and then yeah keep an eye on heart rate keep an eye on power and stuff like that so i think it's whatever works for different people and yeah i think it's about it's about the balance in it Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you've got quite a good balance there as well Mm. it's not too intense and you hear like people say like on easy rides put the garment in the back pocket and stuff i was like i don't i want to see i still want to see it on an easy ride because i want to make sure i'm not going too hard either like and stuff but yeah just i don't pay over attention to the watch or i don't be like held to the watch i just yeah for sure i do enjoy seeing it afterwards um yeah but on another note just want to say about leads i don't the first week the highlight of me <laughs> the highlight of going to leads it was the i think it was the first year that the brownlee race up in some app something abbey is it oh it the first um, year the the brownlee yeah. triathlon uh fountains abbey fountains abbey that's well, what it is. yeah yeah um, we ride around there quite a bit yeah lovely like anyone I asked, like I was just asking, like the girl in the local shop, do you know where this Fountains Abbey is? Or like I was wondering how to get there. Nobody knew where it was. It's in the middle end, of nowhere. Uh, yeah. I ended up having to get cycle from the halls to the train station, get a train, stop over, get another train, get a taxi. <laughs> but because I had a bike, I had to get like 
book like a 14 seater taxi to get my bike on this boy really? know, this guy doesn't know where it was the taxi man he was like i think it's up here proper yorkshire man like then just like driving down these different lanes dropped me off and uh i don't remember why but i don't know if i had like a phone set up at the time or somebody was like we just made an agreement like i'll be he said i'll be back here for you in like three hours <laughs> so i went and done the race <laughs> And then I had to go back and went for this taxi man, took me back to the train station, two trains back. It was a wild, uh, wild day out for, it was only like a super sprint race too. I think it was like a 300 meter swim. <laughs> a 300 meter swim and a 12k bike and a 3k run or something. But it was a great race and uh, it was a great, it's a great spot for a race. Yeah, it's a great spot. It's like Fountains Ave is kind of, I think, just north of Harrogate and near yeah. Ripon or something. But we we ride around there quite a bit because it is in the middle of nowhere and it's quiet. For yeah, traffic it's quiet. Up, yeah, so, no, yeah. It was a good bike course and stuff. It was like, it was a road, but it was like in, a, in the Abbey or in the park and it was like closed roads and stuff. So it was a good, it was a good bike course. But um, yeah, so that's ah, good. my highlight going to Leeds and then. Where did you finish? In the race? No idea. Yeah. I got, I actually got an email that was in 2013. I got an email the other day from like the race photographer company. And it was like, you still haven't claimed your race photos. Oh, really? <laughs> and I've really? got like an old, uh, just aluminium giant round tube frame. Uh, it's just hilarious seeing the That's quite a good idea to think about it though. Because if that same company like taps you up in like 40 years time, you might yeah. actually go, yeah, you know what? I want to see what it looked like. That's uh, what I will play it. That's yeah, good, good marketing. I'm just, uh, yeah. uh, years on, they're still looking to sell. Um, but I don't remember where I placed it. was like, it was a big event. There was thousands there, but I was just at the start of the triathlon journey. So I don't think I would have been anywhere near anything. But um, cool. so then, Mark, your, your role now is it? mainly coaching have you would you say you're retired as an athlete or do you still have some hopes to race yeah yeah pretty much i was i so i committed to retiring um once the olympics was done yeah uh, once tokyo was done so obviously i had to prolong that for an extra year like everyone else did um however they were up for racing olympic games and i was just not wanting to get my head kicked in for another year but um uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I wanted to show kind of like that loyalty to the, the group and the federation that I'd said, yeah, I'll retire after Tokyo. So I'm kind of still training full time now, mm -hmm. but like the day to day's got a bit more um, like of a coaching um, focus. So yeah, uh, we, we just did a camp out in America in Santa Fe. So I was kind of uh, writing the swim session on the board and then um, saying, right, we're going on the next top lads, three, two, one, dive in with them, do the rep, and then would jump out for the main set time and then go and do my session after it. Yeah. Um, which worked really fine. Like, yeah, it gives me a rest as well. But um, yeah, uh, it, it, it was, you just got, I've got to have that balance where, um, yeah, I'm probably, my body's letting me down a bit more, more and more each year. So I can't like, you know, go as hard as I wanted to, especially on the run. So, um, yeah, I had two, since the moment I should have retired, I've had two surgeries since then. So right. if that wasn't telling me that I like, yeah, perfectly timed retirement, I don't know. I don't know what was, but, 
Um, yeah, my body's just, uh, I think from like the years of fell running, steeplechasing, you know, I've always got like an Achilles or a calf problem. And um, yeah, it's just getting harder and harder. And I think the other thing, I, I really struggled stepping up to um, 70.3. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some guys, the race ITU and the the test the water with a 70.3 and they go, they either go all in on it or they go, that's not, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it a bunch of times and I was kind of like a halfway house on that. I was like, yeah, I, I podiumed in the first race. I did at Challenge Grand Canaria, but then I was like a bunch of fourth places on races that I probably should have got a podiums and, you know, scraped maybe top 15 at Worlds, 70.3s, but it wasn't, it still wasn't like enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I, I've kind of always thought I'd potentially be a better coach than I, I would be an athlete just because I came into sport quite late. I had to learn quick. Um, there's loads of that knowledge I can share with others. Um, and But but then ultimately, my, my engine was never that good for, you know, top level World, World Series racing mm-hmm. or 70.3 racing. And, I, you know, I knew that from kind of a year in training with John and Al. I was like, I'm doing all their training um you know giving it everything and i'm still coming up short this you know i don't know if it's the the years that they had over me or or the actual physiology but Mm -hmm. you know uh, i think a lot of it um it's uh it's it's a bit of a taboo to talk about you know when when you see an athlete that's maybe is is training um at a high level and putting everything into it but maybe not getting the results and they're not quite achieving what they want to achieve it's like well this the physiology does pay a part of that Mm -hmm. um and yeah you know and so it's it's a good discussion point with some people because some people believe that anyone can achieve anything and i think it it's it's worth having that mentality in life for sure. Mm-hmm. So we do nothing, of course, but it's also important to be a realist as well. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to win World 70.3s. At best, I might come 10th. Um, you know, but then someone might have said, nah, Bucko, if you, you know, do your own thing and focus on this, you could do it. And I'm, you know, I'm still a bit like, mm, I don't think I've got that gear. Mm-hmm. That's really so, un- Really interesting you say that because it's actually a question, actually a question I have written down. Um, like, first part of my question was like, do you think that you could take, and not even use yourself as a coach, but anyone could take like a half decent age group athlete and turn them into like an elite level athlete? Maybe not the top nord, but just get to that elite level where they're competitive on a professional race. Do you think that's possible? if like all they had to do was train, like if you were given someone that's at a decent level amateur age group, yeah. but it's doing a job or as family where, and then they can just switch overnight and train for three, four years, full time pro. Is that the missing thing that like gets some of the next level or is it a more, I kind of go, my first question would be that person is when they were kind of like in those teenage years, what did they accomplish in sport then? Mm-hmm. And then you'd like, let's say you'd find someone who'd won uh, like national title on the track or, you know, was the fastest swimmer in the county. Then then I think you've got a shot. Mm-hmm. But I, 
it's really it's this discussion is really yeah, hard, yeah. especially when it's going out to people because yeah. you don't want to kill everyone's dreams. No, no. But, but because I'm kind of going, well, yeah, I, I was, I'm pretty sure still standing here now that I was never going to be Olympic champion in triathlon. I just don't think I have, I had that physiology to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think your question was getting them to like you know a decent level. I think it is possible with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But then, like again, it's that tier structure. There's always seems to be a level above you. Yeah. Um. You know. And right now, there's like you know, um, like let's say Jan Fredino is top of the tree in yeah. the in in the Ironman, and there's no one above him. So like everyone else below him is going to say, yeah, there's another level above me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's Jan, and there yeah. will be someone who takes over Jan, and there'll be someone higher, yeah. higher than him. But um. Yeah. Uh, it kind of yeah. leads me leads me on to the next question then of and that same thing of when you have a group of athletes either itu or ironman whatever but they're professional they have sponsors all they have to do is train and like yeah. you mentioned that there you and ali and johnny were doing all the same training same environment why do you think what do you think the limiting factor there? do you think it's purely physiology that like if all those, so if you look at any WTS start list and yeah, those 50 odd athletes, they all train full time. They all are like, they don't have to work all their jobs. They have all the time in the world to train, recover. What do you think then is like, is putting the, putting the difference from first to 50th and, and the, sorry, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a massive gap because then you go down the tiers of European Cups, World Cups, age group athletes, people that do nothing. But at that top level, how come there's a difference, do you think? Um, I, do, I, I genuinely do think it is the physiology. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to find a good example, but I think it's unfair to you know, single certain athletes out. But there's like training groups out there where, you know, ours included, where all the athletes kind of do the same thing. And um, I'll, I'll give you a good example. I, co- I coach Gordon Benson. He trains with with John and Al. His mm-hmm. physiology is so much more suited to um, relay and sprint distance racing. Mm-hmm. Like the guy's, you know, 20 minute power is an animal. His five minute power is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and and whereas then you kind of go, what you know, how's he different to John and Al? Why can't he quite hit their level in Olympic distance? I was like, well, all his strengths are in that lower end of racing sorry that shorter distance racing mm-hmm. um and i think there's there's a lot of people like that um you know we kind of are what we are and there's not there's not an awful lot you can do to change that and we've tried with 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 gods over the years to you know hit those uh you know bigger miles in the winter uh, ride longer do more aerobic training um and but still he'll he'll flourish more if he hasn't been on the gas for two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, he can still get around the, you know, he had a great Olympic distance race a few weeks back, yeah. um, but he wasn't on the gas for two hours. Like the bike was fairly easy. Mm-hmm. And, but then he was able to access that 30 minute run speed. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like the Brownlee strength, they want themselves and everyone on the rivet for two hours. Yeah, like the, the, it plays into their strength because that's what their physio- physiology suits. And I mean, you could argue that yeah, if everyone just spent two hours um, going like hard, like you know, trying to do that, then there'd be more people at that level. But I don't know. I just haven't seen it 
um, enough. Yeah. Um, that yeah, and I've seen so many groups that do similar training, yet the spectrums like this, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, and and it'd be wrong for me to speculate on other things, but you know, it could be you know a bit of mentality in there. Um, I think sleep's like huge and massively underrated, and soft tissue stuff that's that's underrated as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people obviously doing that better than others. You know, getting massage three times a week instead of three times a year and you know sleeping nine hours every day instead of one nine hour a week mm-hmm. um and then the rest at six like i think i think there's um the the stuff there but you know when you're in a like camp environment and you you're training with people day in day out and you're kind of doing everything your coach said but that coach has prescribed a similar thing to everyone else yet you're not quite getting the same results as you as if it's for me, it's got to be physiology. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, there were so many times I was like, right, Bucko, you're on a four week altitude camp here, get your head down, do everything you can right. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm still five seconds, a hundred slower than in the pool. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's nothing there that I can, that I can bring in. And I, and, you know, I look, I've got like tiny paddles as hands. Uh, the world's like smallest hands. Uh, I don't have a met- massive lever. Whenever you see Richard Varga, he's always checking out how long there to there is. Elbow to fingertip, he'd be like, oh, good lever. He'd be like, oh, shit, lever, bucko. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's all physiology. Like, yeah. I can't do anything about it. I've got a rounded, like, kyphotic back, which makes my hips sink more. So, like, all those things, like, involved in the running, uh, in the cycling, uh, start again in the swimming that are not helping me and then yeah. you know i'm i'm five nine and a half so i don't have mega lever for the bikes i'm that's why i struggle tt wise mm-hmm. running like I, I do all right at that i'm a smaller build and so i, f- I think there's a little bit of yeah. that as well you know so i'm not just talking engine like yeah. the whole yeah mechanic. the whole thing it's refreshing to hear that and that's obviously not it's not easy f- i'm sure for you to say like to admit that thing but i think you're doing it in like a positive way it's not like per me i've got short levers so i'm not gonna be good at swimming it's just a re- reality that that yeah does and you're sort and, of accept and think, that and yeah once you've accepted that as well i think it's a lot easier to move forward it's mm-hmm. like well play with the cars that you dealt yeah how else can you get well, that next level yeah, maybe and, you know so for, so for me i couldn't have a long stroke in the pool i had to yeah. have a short choppy stroke like high turnover i had to be better tacti- tactically i had to move through packs i had to be on feet mm-hmm. you know when i was struggling on the bike i had to suck that wheel so hard and you know it, it all all those little things that you can throw into the mix to kind of suit you and your physiology and your style yeah. of racing like yeah. there, it was seldom that i could smash myself the whole bike ride, the whole 40k, and then execute a good 10k off it. Mm-hmm. So I had to like, you know, go to float to the back of the pack and be a passenger. And, um, you know, certain athletes that I see now will encourage that in racing, like play to your strengths. Yeah. Like if you're an Uber biker well, get on the bike and like ride really hard and put everyone under pressure, but then equally those that are weak on the bike, you know, be a passenger, but sit, sit sixth wheel, don't sit last man getting all the elastic sit, mm. you know, at the place where you don't have to pull a turn, but that you can go as easy as you can in out of corners. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and yeah, I think once you've got um, that reality, it's um, it's a lot easier, especially from the, in the pro side of things, to move forward. Yeah. But um, but also, I'm always a bit like with the age group athletes that I coach. If they kind of say, um, you know, I want to win this race, and then I want to be a pro, and that I'm like, I'm not going to take that, you know, away from them. I'm not going to kill the dreams mm-hmm. if the, if that's what gets them out of bed. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think with a lot of pro athletes that are starting at European and um, like World Cup level, you've got to be like realistic with them. It's like, okay, let's nail the top ten in the World Cup first, yeah, and and then we'll talk about World Series. Um, yeah. yeah, you have to go go the steps in the process of like it's good to have a dream that you want to be in the World Series or you want to be in Olympics, but there's steps to get there, and I suppose that's that's the road you have to take and yeah take yeah steps. definitely but i don't yeah still that and that I, i'm not necessarily saying that's the right way to do it that's just my like opinion of kind of philosophy on it mm-hmm. um yeah like not not optimist not pessimist just realist yeah, yeah. Uh, has, your, has your philosophy changed and and overall like for your philosophy for triathlon training changed as an athlete to a coach um maybe a little bit i think i reflect more i did um a real good athletes coach course with uk sport a couple of years ago and they were kind of like you book how you do zero reflection and i'm like yeah probably don't like you know um i maybe used to mull over races a little bit but then from a coaching point of view i probably didn't go away going like how could i have been better on that day how could i have executed better how can i um add value to an athlete every day and not just turn up holding a stopwatch say like how you know um so i think that's changed over time to the point where i just i think that is my philosophy now in in coaching anyway that i just want to add value to an athlete each and every day um Mm -hmm. so like how can i make that session better how can i um you know make the environment better and the culture um i think that's that's all like all real important um which was probably as an athlete totally overlooked you just kind of right what time did i swim for 100 meters that's all i want to know yeah yeah um like i'm not bothered about the fluffy clouds and stuff but um i think all that's kind of yeah way more important than i ever realized yeah cool and if i don't want to take up too much more of your time but um if you have time a few quick fire questions for you yeah go for it um so let's see favorite training session of all time um i would go with leeds chain gang so is that just is that any organization or is it just ride hard and drop as many people as you can yeah, well, yeah, kind of. It just turns into a World Champs every Thursday night. Actually, t- Tuesday night's the World Champs now. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's brilliant. It's just like no one owns it. Anyone can do it. And you just turn up at Lawnswood, just at the bottom of the road opposite the Brownlee Centre and at 6.30 on a Tuesday and Thursday and go really hard for an hour <laughs> and just do through and off. No one really attacks until you come up the Chevin at the end, which is like 3K long, yeah. like, you know, four or five minutes long. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just a steady through and off. And if your legs are knackered, you just go sort of sit on the back and get pulled along. But, and that can yeah. have anyone from 
the likes of yourselves, pro triathletes, pro cyclists, the local local cyclists. Yeah. Just I mean, yeah, 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 definitely. Like, come over and do it. Yeah. Um <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you you'll soon you'll soon soon know what where your level is on that thing. We always say if you can get around chain gang pulling, then you can get around any triathlon race. Um I'll try if I remember needs, I'll do it. <laughs> but I don't know I don't know how long I'll last. I don't think I'll last an hour. Um least favorite training session? Uh yeah, and probably um anything swim related. I'm I still struggle with the swimming. I'm not afraid to admit it. Um yeah, so it'd be just like a long eight hundred meter reps in, in the pool, in a short course pool. Yeah. Not my idea of fun. And Favorite training location anywhere in the world? Mm. Yeah, pro- pr- um, probably Samaritz. I don't, I don't think it gets much better. Um, mm. The riding and the running is just unreal. Like, really nice. Yeah. But never, it's so expensive. I've never trained there, but I was there once just as like a day trip. We were staying that way and we went up for the day. It was, it's a nice place, like the loop around the lake and the track and stuff. Looks like a really... Yeah. Training location, immense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess for the uh, listeners, a cheaper option would be like the south of Spain. We go there every Mm -hmm. winter as well, Um, flying to Alicante on a thirty quid flight, and um, yeah, you've got all the best cyclists in the world there. They're all kind of pretty much based in Calpe, just down the road. So, um, yeah, that's that's really nice and mountainous where you want it to be, and some flat riding and pools and stuff. So um yeah yeah you say spain as well it's just out in the bike it's cheap coffee one euro coffee some lunch yeah like a couple of euro it's hard to beat bocadilla halfway yeah that's it um okay so male and female olympic podium tokyo 2021 great question your predictions Um, I'll go uh, start with the women. I think I think there'll be a break, so I'll go. Um, I'll go. Uh, Flora Duffy, Jess Learmonth, and let's go. Let's go. Summer Rappaport. Mm. Oh, I, I might change that for Kingma. I don't know. I, I'm trying to work it's out gonna if Summer Rappaport's going to stay on the bike. Yeah, I think, it's going to yeah. be interesting. Yeah, can I, I'll throw I'll throw King Ring there as well. But you're saying Flora Duffy for the one? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Based on Lee's performance, yeah, mm-hmm. um, she's gonna be hard to beat if she make if she makes a swim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, men. I think the girls is a lot like more likely to split up than the men's. Yeah. So, what do you um, think for the men? I'll go in the men's. I had I was watching Jake Burt whistle at Leeds, but he didn't go well. And I would have said him before um, for um, almost for, for a win. Mm-hmm. Um, but given he didn't go super well at Leeds, um, I'll go. I've got to go Johnny. Um, let me let me go Johnny, Alex Yee, and um, Tyler Mistletoe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think Tyler's pretty good um, and he's really good in the heat and he's done the same prep, it seems, bef- um, that he did before yeah. the test event that went well as well. So He raced well in Mexico there. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Oh, yeah, oh, so, both races yeah. are going to be really, really interesting. I think it's kind of Flora's pretty dominant, but like you still have five or six other women there fighting for second, third, or even first, and then the same the men. I think there's like there's potentially six or seven men could win. Like when you yeah, they could. Norwegian yeah, the men's run. you know massively change. You know, like we you can't uh, discount the Norwegians, but it's just like. Um, we'll see what happens in the swim type thing. If someone yeah. pushes the swim on, it could expose like one or two of those, you know, that might put, you know, uh, yellow gains out the race who mm-hmm. normally runs one of the fastest times as well. And Martin Van really good, um, good shot. Yeah. Swim, bike and run. Is he? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And a, a big, um, the real, the real deal, as I'll call him, not the meal deal. Um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm I'm a fan of Martin. Yeah, I think I, I think he could definitely be good because he's if there's gonna uh, gonna be a break, he'll be in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, be it'd be really interesting. I think mm-hmm. it'll be um, uh, compared to the last two Olympics. I, I, yeah, like you say, you could probably eight and eight nine or ten people. I think yeah. there's gonna be uh, someone that a lot of people didn't have the money off. Yeah. Anyway, that that comes away with a medal. Definitely. um yeah so it'd be, be good to watch even um, though it's going to be like ridiculous o'clock in the um the uk and ireland yeah i'll still get up to watch oh, will you be out will you be no i'm not or? i'm not going out um yeah so sort of johnny's base uh in leeds for the next few weeks i'm just kind of supporting him with some of the heat prep that he's doing here and then um he'll, he'll go out to a holding camp and then on to tokyo but cool. yeah the, um, due to COVID, there's not many accreditations kicking about. Mm-hmm. So. I heard it's pretty strict, for, like just hotel, the race venue, and back the same way as like Yokohama was. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so. like in and out. So. Yeah, not not enjoying the uh, not not going to enjoy the sights of um, of Japan much. Mm-hmm. But, sorry, um, sorry, these yeah. aren't that quick fair, but they're enjoyable to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you, you just if you, have to speed it up yeah. i listen to all my podcasts at one and a half speeds anyway so you can get them done <laughs> yeah so you are like yeah you get to, yeah. yeah i'm always conscious of uh yeah taking ages so yeah no no i enjoy doing it but i'm conscious of you having the maybe go but uh, a few more if you could train with any athlete that you haven't trained with before for one week who would it be any sport <sighs> any sport um let's Let's go with a cyclist. Let's go Remco Evenepoel. Um, yeah, I, re- I really rate him. He he rode past me on a time trial bike once going out of Calpe, like at warp speed. And yeah, he's like next generation bad boy. We've got, we've actually got Tom Pidcock. Um, yeah. That is, lives not too far away. Um, loves Lee Shane Gang as well. Um, and yeah, I was like, yeah, he's going to be the next best thing, Tom. And then Remco came on, and I was like, "This, this, I think this kid's in another level again." Yeah, but yeah. Um, I think we'll definitely see those two, them two battling, battling like, out over the yeah. over the years. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to yeah get into the the mind of that guy. Really rate him. I'm a, I'm a big cycling fan. Really yeah. enjoy cycling. He's so aero, so. wasn't he? On a time trip, yeah. Remco. Yeah, we just uh, the way he races, he can just punch his way out of a group and solo you know 30 40 k on his own yeah like he's just incredible um yeah like his fresh all riding is ridiculous so Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Exciting. Favorite sport? Well, you might have just answered, but favorite sport and athlete outside of triathlon? Um, let, let's go. Let's go football, Liverpool, and um, Sanio Mane. Cool. I, don't if, I don't know if anyone will listen. Yeah, I don't know. Are you into football? <laughs> I'm into football, kind of. I played when I was younger. I enjoyed playing more than watching, but I wouldn't. Like, I'd watch the Euros and stuff. I'd watch international stuff. I'm not a big into like Premier League and stuff anymore. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a United fan as well. So. We find you not find with a lot of triathletes. There's not many football followers. No, not. And I realised why. Yeah. Yeah, Well, when I was a runner, you'd get back from your long run on Sunday, and then watch football for the rest of the day. Whereas triathlon, you'd get back for your long run. They have to go for your long ride. Any football? (laughs) I got to I got to Loughborough, and I was like, literally, I'm the only one who watches football here. Like me and the coaches. Um, That was and and that was like a realization. So um yeah i might have yeah it, this might be lost on some of your listeners yeah, yeah but that's good um if you could have 10 hours sleep every night when you're like full him train or and but then you can't have any like alternative recovery like massage or recovery boots or massage guns or foam roll or what would you prefer you get ten hours on and throw up the sleep every single night. And yeah. we'll throw on a we'll throw on a nap during the day for good measure. Just a yeah. perfect sleep or and then no other alternative recovery methods. Which would you choose? Yeah, I I would go I I'd go the sleep. Um yeah, for sure. I think yeah, sleep's like massively underrated. I think a lot of the best guys in the world like do it better than most and can just switch off and and power nap and are committed to it and not on the not on Instagram at eleven o'clock. And yeah, I've seen it. We've been on training camps where um we've had zero signal like at the top of uh in uh, T D uh in yeah. Tenerife. No phone signal past eight o'clock. Like everyone has like a stellar camp. Actually I had a terrible camp, but um everyone went really well. Um and I'm sure there was a lot in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like completely switched off for there you yeah, go. I, I remember being in Italy one year on holidays and where we were staying there was no Wi-Fi. So like if you were down at the restaurant at night you would get some Wi-Fi at seven or eight o'clock and that would be it. And like yeah every night that week just perfect sleep and feel great. So there's definitely something on it. But it's hard to do, isn't it? The Yeah, the to switch it off. And... Like yeah, it's um like it Lucy's good for that because she's not that big on social media and stuff mm-hmm. so that kind of helps yeah. um but because otherwise you can be surrounded by it all the time even like even if you're not on it and someone else is or your partner is it's um yeah yeah it's quite hard to switch off so definitely yeah. so Sweet. that's but just to leave one piece of advice for a young up-and-coming athlete what, what would your one piece um, I, th- I think that um, maybe that initial point that I made about um, when that coach said to me, kind of in my junior days of um, triathlon, to go and go and see what like another group is doing, or you know, go and see how to train differently, go learn mm-hmm. something. Um, so whether that's um, you know you're just going for a run on your own at the moment, 
maybe you want to check out a local run club or yeah cycle club and find out they've got a mega chain gang going on i mm. keep pointing because it's literally starts like <laughs> i don't live far away from it at all sorry um and uh yeah i think go and try those like like clubs out and teams or, or groups you know we kind of everywhere we go we kind of look on strava and see who the local legends are contact them and then go for a ride with them mm-hmm. you know we we literally just kind of did that in Santa Fe. We didn't really know the area that well and tapped someone up and like took us on so many more rides that we wouldn't have known about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, long story short. Yeah. Just go tap up other people to like train with and learn from. Cool. Good stuff. Mark, thanks a million for coming on. Um, some great advice, great stories in there. And it was great to hear your, journey through your sport and and your coaching role now and we wish you all the best for your future in coaching and hope it goes well and hope hope you continue success and in that role as well yeah well thank you very much thanks for having me i'll keep i'll keep listening at one and a half uh speed and uh and rattle through them all brilliant thank you good man mark cheers so, show's over. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Mark. I want to thank Mark again for coming on the show and giving us his time, some great tips, and for sharing his story and coaching advice. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review. It would mean a lot, and it helps others find the show and find out what the show's about. So, leave a review. That'd be brilliant. And we'll be back next Wednesday with another guest. Until then, see you.